Hey everybody, before we kick off today's episode, Antonio T. Smith Jr. here, and I just want to tell all of you that if you're an avid learner of self-growth, if you want to change the quality of your life, I'm on my major events, WonderCon 2024, it's almost here. The dates are March 17th through March 22nd, that is 2024, and you can go to the website inside the show links to get to all the information there. It's in Houston, Texas. There's also a bunch of opportunity for online tickets as well. So you can watch the event live. Plus, you get the opportunity to keep the video for life as well. With an array of expert speakers, including myself, interactive workshops and a plethora of experiences, it promises to be a transformational event that you've never seen before. Please know in person, there are limited spaces available and get all the details to secure a spot on the show notes. Antonio T. Smith Jr., you can plant better, you can dominate. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to tonight's Integrity Leadership Class with Reginald and Deanna. Glad to have everyone on. As always, if you are in the position to, please turn on your camera so we can see your lovely shining faces, feel each other's energy. And if at any point in time you have any questions or thoughts, you can wave your hand if your camera's on. We will acknowledge you that way. If your camera's not on, not to worry. You can click on participants. From there, you'll see a small blue hand that says raise hand. Click on that. We will acknowledge you that way. And you're always welcome to type in your comments and questions in the chat. Now, without further ado, let me introduce you. <laughs> let me introduce you to our trainers for the evening. This young lady is COO of the ATSJR Companies, the CEO of the Dean Marie Group, and is for the people. <laughs> and this gentleman is always Mr. KSBM. Come see about me. This gentleman is always willing to help wherever he is needed. And listen, you talk to him, you will definitely get help. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Miss Deanna Mitchell and Mr. Reginald Paul. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you. And sir, loud cheering we're here. Appreciate you. Good evening, everyone. How are you doing this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful evening? Oh, please feel free to unmute. We are an open dialogue class. I am wonderful. Awesome. Awesome, Miss Reverend Reginald, how are you doing this evening? I am wonderful. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. So we are doing the last chapters of So Happy and Grateful by Mr. Antonio T. Smith, Jr., The Universal Laws of Happiness and You. And we're doing 10, 11, 12, and 13, but if you actually read the book, there is a little secret chapter in it, chapter 14, the prologue. It's the Law of Attraction in the Bible. So we have some interesting things to discuss this evening. So I just want to actually, before I do anything, I want to open it up to all of you who are on the call tonight to let us know how reading So Happy and Grateful has 
change your view of happiness, change your view of your life in general, and what about it are you going to apply to your life? So the floor is open. Hey. Hey. So last week when we were on, um, I bought the book, but of course with all the reading that I do, I have not, it's, it's on my list of things, but as things go, I have not gotten to it, to it just yet. But I did read the three chapters that we were supposed to read last week while we were on the call. And it was so um, necessary for me to read those three chapters right then. Mm. I made note cards that I've been using ever since last week for things that applied to me in my present life. Not like successful with a business, but just where I am personally in life right now. And so one of the note cards said, move the moment you get an inspired idea. Mm. That's something that the core group knows that I struggle with because I like for things to be kind of one, two, three, four, five, six before I move to number one. I got to see the next six things before I even take step one. And my peers, my counterparts within the core, they take step at negative zero. It's like, okay, I'm doing it. And it, it don't have to be perfect. It don't have to be in line, but there's much success with that. And I've always seen it, but there's been a hesitation with me, but that resonated with me last week. So every idea I've gotten since then, I've put action to it and it feels absolutely amazing. And it said, your dominant thoughts will always lead to a harvest. And so I'm thinking about these inspired ideas and I've been thinking about the success of the idea and it has made me so very happy and grateful even more so than I've been. And the other thing that I wasn't sure I was struggling with until I heard it, I read it and it was like, that's it. And it's releasing people who have hurt you. And I thought I'd done this, but a lot of times when we first embark upon forgiveness and releasing people who have hurt us, we go way back to childhood. And so I'm going to release this person that abused me and I'm going to release my parents for doing the best they had with what the best they could with what they had. And okay, I'm done releasing people. Well, you experience hurt after that. You know, there's hurt I've experienced. There's hurt I'm experiencing right now because of what's going on in our society and in, in our nation, in our world. And I got to release these people. And so I wrote down the steps that Antonio gave in the book, accept who they are, realize they did the best they could with what they had, release them and move forward. And y'all, I've been blessing people with the peace of release and movement ever since last week. Like I release you, I'm moving on. And it has been an extreme blessing for me. So I have not read the chapters that we're gonna go over today. I find that I received much power and energy when I read them as I listened to everybody giving you know their thoughts and things to it. So I'm just really appreciative of it. And that's how it has helped me since we met last week. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you very much, Shanna, for your, Dr. Clark for your transparency. Um, I'm going to be transparent and let you know that you were not the only one who had to see steps 
one, two, three, four, five, and six before you even took a step to step one. So thank you for your transparency. And I want to let you know that you did not suffer alone in that. <laughs> but thank you very much for your for your transparency, for letting us know what you learned about it and how you have actually applied it to you. Um, releasing for peace is it's a lesson we all we all need. So thank you very much, uh, Dr. Clark, for sharing that with us. So Reverend Reginald, is there something that you would like to say? No, I'm just going to continue to uh, let everybody else speak. Today is a day that uh, it's time for voices to be heard. Mm. And how you started off is how we're going to continue because actually I was on the kind of same frequency you was when I was getting dropped off earlier, and I was like, today seems like a day everybody else needs to talk. So it's okay. a receiving type of day. So let's, the, let's let the next person share the same. The floor is open. All right, so who else would like to unmute and let us know how So Happy and Grateful has helped you on your journey what have you taken from it that you're now applying? And what have you learned about yourself and what have you released? So who else would like to let us know about So Happy and Grateful and what you learned from it? Oh, and, and Shannon just said, also loved the reminder of thought plus emotion equals creation. That is definitely something that when I learned it, it you do need reminders ladies and gentlemen you're you are going to need reminders throughout life for everything that you learn because there's going to come a point where life is going to hit you and you're going to forget some things so you're going to need a reminder to remember some things and the thought plus emotion equals creation is a great way for you to understand that you are a master creator if you currently are not happy with your the situation in your life, you can change it by changing your thoughts first, putting the emotion behind it, and it will create the reality that you desire. So who else would like to let us know what you learned, what you got out of, uh, and how? Yes, sir. I, uh, I'll stay what happened to me um, Monday this week. Monday evening and uh i've been so happy and grateful uh more the grateful part uh i had an incident happen to me when i came home monday evening <clears throat> somebody had uh did something to my family and uh i went outside and i stood up for my family and while i was doing so i confronted a young man when i confronted a young man i asked him why he did it and is he going to replace what he had uh, broken. And he told me no, but while I was conversating with the young man, the young man handed another young man a gun. And I saw him hand the other young man a gun while I was confronting the young man. And uh, I wasn't in fear. I'll just tell you that right now. So that wasn't the first time I seen a gun and that wasn't the first time a gun was by me in the first place. So, but the thing that uh, as it went on, I let him say his side of the story. And he finished or whatnot, and I went back closer towards my house. You know, my kids outside, his other kids outside. 
And, you know, the next thing you know, he started getting loud. He started uh, barking like a dog. He wanted to fight. He wanted to fight. And, uh, you know, he was saying things. There was a group of kids out there that was just edging it on as well. And I looked at the young man and I say, look, I'm smarter than what you think I am. And he asked me, what did I say? I said, I'm smarter than what you think I am. You, you, you honestly think I'm going to fight you when you just gave your friend a gun. And, you know, his friend commented and was like, hey, uh, I don't know what you have. Huh? I said, all I got is a cell phone, but I just want y'all to know I'm smarter than that. Uh, the whole entire time, there was some calmness over me because if you would have caught me approximately probably a year ago, maybe even two years ago, I would have fought him. I would have fought him and the friend. I wasn't worrying about the gun. I'm talking about I would have, I would have, we just, I just heard Shannon say that she, you know, got to do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I was going to do zero. I was going to do negative a thousand. And I was going to give him what he deserved. But being grateful is knowing that, okay, look, man, there's kids around here. Not only is the kids around here, it's my kids around here. And any action that I do, being selfish, any action that I do, being ungrateful, point blank period is going to put not only me in danger, <laughs> not just me, put my kids in danger, put the other kids out there in danger, and anybody else that's out there watching in danger. Because you never know what a scary person is going to do. You already know the loudest person in the room barking is the scariest person. So therefore, I was grateful that I was able to be at a calm, be at a ease, and handle the situation like I supposed to handle it. And the words that was being said and chosen from me, I know that it, it, it shook a lot of people. It took a lot out of me because for once I couldn't, I, I felt like I was pumped. Like, you know, as a man, I can, as a man, I cannot feel like I let another man, because I feel like if I let him do it one time, he feels like he can do it every other time. Mm -hmm. But you got to be very, very, you got to be very grateful of, of knowledge, understanding first. That's the first thing that I received was understanding. See, that's when all this stuff comes into play. I did not have to trick my brain at that, you know, at that moment. I did not have to. I had to just use understanding. And then that's when the knowledge and wisdom kicked in. And when the knowledge and wisdom kicked in, it took a relief off of me. Now I'm doing something today, and I did something that day. I called Antonio and told him about it. Uh, but I actually talked about it instead of sitting at the house thinking about it, you know, and just keep festering it up and not letting it go. I heard Dr. Clark speak of uh, not letting things go. Now, catch me two years ago, I would not let this go. I would be in my window blinds right now. I would be in my window blinds right now looking for the young man to do something to him and catch him in a vulnerable situation. But I know, again, I have understanding and wisdom that that was not the thing to do. But I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that, for one, they didn't shoot me because they mentioned 77,000 times that I was a big person, like I didn't know that. And uh, I'm also grateful that none of the kids got home and nobody had to do anything and the situation was diffused. I'm also grateful that I actually get to talk about it and not hold in an emotion or hold in anything because I know a year ago that would have ate me alive and I would have tried to do something about it.
But by these Thursdays, like I said, reading the book, taking in some of the stuff that the book has to offer, taking in a lot of stuff that I've heard from you amazing ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm actually learning something. And I, I'm very grateful that I'm, I'm able to listen and learn from you guys. That's why it's important that, you know, instead of us teaching. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, we also want to be taught as well because, you know, you cannot be a good leader if you don't follow. Mm. So I just want to say that I'm very thankful for each and every last one of y'all that, that are here. Because, again, some of the stuff that y'all said on a lot of these phone calls, I put into my heart. That's how I write it down. I put it into my heart. That's the, that's the understanding part. And then you got to go out and perform the understanding part because you're going to get tested over what you've been taught. You're going to be tested over what you teach. So why not, you know, put none of this stuff to use? I put everybody's input to use. And uh, I'm here in front of y'all today looking at smiles and screens and, and magic dust. So thank you. I just wanted to share that. Thank you very much, Reverend Reginald, for your transparency and for letting us know how, just in general, how you've learned not only from the book, but from everyone else on here. So thank you very much for your transparency. And I'm, so, I'm very grateful that that situation went the way it did because you're with us, you know? Because if you weren't who you were, it's no telling how that situation would have went. So thank you. And we're very grateful that you're here as well. Yes, I see your hand, Carol. Go ahead. You know, I'm thank say you, Monica. You know. Yes, I know. So I want you to know that you saved a mother from grieving. Okay, you saved a mother from grieving. That's what you did. With all the pain that's out here, 
and all the people that are hurting as it is, you stopped it because you could have been part of that whole thing. And instead you thought about it. So forget about the kid. Forget about, he has to grow up and he's got to learn just like you have to, just like I have to and everybody else. But know that you saved a mother from grieving. That's all I got to say. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And, and Shannon posted, when we speak, we can only say what we know. When we listen, we have the opportunity to learn something new. She says she read this today and she's grateful for Reggie's transparency because it put it in picture form for her. So again, Reggie, thank you for your transparency. Ms. Carol, thank you very much for what you said as well because you're very true. He definitely did. He definitely did that. That's that's for sure. And, and Shannon, thank you for your transparency earlier and for your comment as well. So who else would like to unmute your mic and let us know what you have learned from reading So Happy and Grateful from Antonio T. Smith Jr. The floor is open. All right, well, I guess it's my turn. Go ahead. So happy and grateful as I was uh, reading, I was reading chapter eight. He's talking about the law of visualization and the visualization process really uh, honed in for me because it, it talks about how the four essential things that it accomplishes. But uh, what really, the, the part that really got me, is says when you take your mind out, out to the end goal, to the celebration of what you have not yet achieved, your mind will begin to build backward and figure out how to get there. And it's stuck. I was like, oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. It's common sense, but you don't think about it until you read that. Yeah, when you, when you visualize what it is that you want and you have that great emotion and that great feeling about it, your brain doesn't know the difference whether it's there or not. So the brain will figure out how to go and get that if it's not there. And that, that really stuck out with me. Um, to really visualize what it is that you want and be happy and grateful about it. That is, it's already, another part in, in the same chapter, it says, hey, it's already done because you thought about it and you feel great about it and you feel grateful for it. So it's already done. So all you have to do is keep, keep that, that visualization before you and it'll come to pass. So I, I really enjoyed that, um, <clears throat> that chapter. All of the chapters have been really well, and y'all have been doing a wonderful job with these, uh, with with the book and with the chapters. But that one really stuck out with me. So thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, thank you for sharing, and thank you for your transparency, Ms. Grace Sandals. Thank you very, very much. Who else? Well, first, okay. Thank you, Grace very much because we we tend to forget what the end goal is and when we forget what the end goal is it takes us out of that happy and grateful feeling we forget that it's already done we forget that it's already there we just have to make sure 
that we remain happy and grateful for that very thing. There's something Antonio always tells us. He always tell, <clears throat> excuse me, he always tells us that when you, the moment you get to the starting line, you've already finished. But what we do is we get caught up in the in-between. We get caught up in the dash of life and death and we completely forget just to be happy. Enjoy the fact that we're here. We forget that we can actually create everything for ourselves just by focusing on that end goal. So thank you, Grace, for your transparency. Thank you, Reginald, for your transparency. Ms. Carol, thank you for your comment earlier. Shannon, Rever Reverend, my apologies. Dr. Clark, thank you so much for your transparency earlier as well. I don't know why the reverend came out, but <laughs> well, you know why? Because you you said it trying to make songs out here, it's verses and everything. You got a name for everybody, <laughs> Sister Reverend Doctor Shannon Clark. You didn't gave us seventeen names. <laughs> Mind your business, Reginald. Mind your business. <laughs> but thank you, but, uh, but on a serious note, thank you, <laughs> thank you, Doctor Clark. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. So who else, who else wants to let us know what you've learned from So Happy and Grateful and how you've been applying it to your everyday life and how it, and how it has affected your life as well? Who else would like to comment? The floor is open. And even, even if you only got through the first three or six chapters, please still open up and speak to us because every chapter in this book is important. Every chapter in this book is life-changing. So the floor is yours. Please unmute your mic and speak up. All right. Well, while we are, <laughs> hold up, hold up. How about how about no, no? Because this is what I, this is what I was saying to myself today on the ride home. I was saying to myself, how about we let the audience pick a favorite chapter. Then they talk about their favorite chapter, their favorite sentence. If they are skimmers, you know, we have a lot of skim readers out there, not skim milk, <laughs> skim readers. And if you skim read, ain't nothing wrong. I skim read too. Just in case I put myself out there so everybody, well, you know what I skim too. I, I'm doing that for those too. When you skim read, tell us something that you got. Tell us something that you got. Because I'm telling you how, I'm telling you how this works. You know what? I didn't do this earlier. Maybe if I put some of this in here and then, because every time this happens, something happens, some magical stuff happens. And, and that's what this is about. Watching the magic happen. So if it's something that, that touched you, who, who tricked their brain this week? Who had to trick their brain this week? Who went on a walk? Last week, somebody went on a jog. Who went jogging? Who did something to, to just get away for a little bit. All right, Miss Lisa, be safe. The floor is open, ladies and gentlemen. And again, Ms. there's Carol? nothing, okay. Oh, go ahead, Miss Carol. Yeah, Miss Carol. So, not that, not what I did, but, um, 
as far as exercise or anything. But I was very upset with um, someone who did something and um, financially put me in a hole at one time that I helped out. And this person um, left the country and came back to the country because they were very ill. And um, hadn't spoken to that person at all. But I ended up um, trying to contact uh, this person's family to let them know because they're in, um, in another state and uh, try to find out how this uh, individual was doing. And today is his actual birthday. And I called to let him know that he is loved regardless of what actually happened because I'm still, I'm still paying for what, what was done. But at the same time, there's a person in there going through agony and dying right now and will die. Um, but it was almost like just letting go and, and, and forgiving and continuing my life because I'm still here. I can still breathe. I can still make the money. I can still do all these things that this person won't be able to do for very much longer. So I had to let them know that while they're on this earth plane, that somebody does care and they are still loved. And that was really difficult for me because I kept going back and forth. Well, you know what, you know, the little gremlin, well, you know what he did. And I'm like, you know what, that's a human being and that's dying. And they need to know that somebody does care while they're here before they go. So I just wanted to share that with you. Thank you. Ms. Carol, thank you so very much for your transparency. You, if all of us would do what you did, it would alleviate a lot of pain, hatred, hurt, anger, frustration, because in order for you to make that phone call, you had to forgive. So thank you for your transparency. Thank you very much. Reverend Reginald. Oh no, I, I want to I want to ask her. So you mean to tell me the same gremlin that was in Galveston with me was the same gremlin that was talking to you? This little gremlin is just getting around. Gremlin's <laughs> a little evil, little, little evil. Yeah. You gotta slap yeah. You got to, you got to do something. <laughs> you got to do something to that little gremlin. That little gremlin get loud sometimes. <laughs> so yeah. you know, it's sort of like you know, I'll beat you down to a pulp, right? I'll beat you yeah. down. To a pulp. Instead of that, I had to yeah. give love, you know. And it, it, it was really, even though I did that for that person, it was really for me. Mm -hmm. I needed to release it. Okay, so. Um, that's what I did. Because sometimes people go and they die and you have all this anger and they, they go off feeling all bad. And, you know, and, and I understand why it was done now, even though it wasn't fair, but I had to release it for myself. All right. Okay. Thank you very much, Ms. Carol. Thank you very much. Ms. Monica, I saw you unmuted your mic. Yeah, it was yours. just... It was just something to what, what I guess Carol's situation, what she just said right now, because um, this, this wasn't with me, but it was with my mom. Um, and I guess just to put 
put my situation out there. I was actually adopted at, at birth. And um, my, my grandfather on my dad's side, or those grandparents, had a hard time, I guess, accepting it because I wasn't blood and all this stuff. Well, my mom hated them. She hates my, or now she doesn't, but she hated my grandfather for not accepting me as if I were his own blood. But I had a talk with her several years ago and I told her that she needed to stop because it was, it was going to get to her. Right. So like Carol was saying, like she, you did it for yourself. And I think it's something you have to do because sometimes like things like stress cause cancer. And I would tell my mom, you've got to forgive him. Like, I don't care if I don't care and I'm the, the grandchild, then why are you so upset? You know, it doesn't bother me. Um, but I think forgiving someone as hard as it is, when you do, you feel kind of like a, a big weight lifted off your shoulders because I noticed the moment when my mom forgave him and the difference now from then and, and even her, it's affected her and, and the way she, she takes on life or just does other things because she knows she can't stay angry at people. Um, so with, with Carol, like I know that took a lot because I saw my mom go through that and it took a lot for her to do it. So good job doing that because that's definitely going to help you. And then, uh, hopefully it'll help him too. Right. Hopefully he won't, won't, won't treat someone like that again, but I, I know it's tough. So good job with that. All right. Thank you very much, Ms. Monica. Ms. Carol, would you, you're more than welcome to unmute and respond. I was just telling Monica, thank you. And thank you for sharing her story too. But yes, it does take a lot. But then once you do it, you ask yourself, why didn't I do this before? Because you're carrying around. That's part of that, um, you know, you're carrying around your garbage. It's like, what's the trash that you're taking to the next relationships or whatever? That can be that unless you let it go. So it's gone. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Monica. All right. And then Dr. Clark posted, it's amazing how much you can transcend when you are grateful. Thank you very much for that, Dr. Clark. Maurice, I saw you unmuted your mic. The floor is yours. Yeah, I was just listening and um, what what I had to take away a couple things uh, to this week. Um, um, the class that just graduated that I just completed, there was a real negative energy in it. And it came from, you know, one source, one place. And it, it affected the whole, you know, it was a vibe and it kind of... Um, <laughs> It took everything in me, really. And I know I wasn't successful all every time at, at, at not showing it, at least. that. Um, um, but first, I want to say, you know, taking off of what everyone else said, that forgiveness is not for the other person as much as it's for you. You know, and forgiving, forgiving is for me, you know, or the individual that's carrying it. And then the other thing that it reminds me of is, and I don't know how much this applies, but you know, it is said that resentment is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick from it or die from it, right? And if, um, you know, to carry things around and hold it in, that's almost really what it becomes because not, not forgiving, you know, turns into resentment often. But 
for me, what, pardon me, the takeaway was I had to take hold everything, you know, um, accept that reality. And then when I didn't respond and then I was able to look at what really was going on, that person was in, there was something going on with that individual. And had I responded and not got to a place or had I responded the way I wanted to, um, it would have been probably what they're used to, the norm. And it would have been norm, it would have been their norm, and they would have been able to disrupt the whole of, you know, because what really was going on is like you said about being loud, person the loudest in the room, usually is deflecting often. And it was really a deflection instead of dealing with what really what was the subject matter was, you know, it was it's, it was kind of like a a know-it-all type of, you know, mentality, but then when the quizzes came back, it was, you know, half of it. And, you know, it didn't show up in the work, you know. And so it was that on top of it. So it was really kind of humbling because I had to really step back and be like, okay, well, um, there's pain there. There's something going on with that individual, a level of pain that, that they're dealing with or whatever it is that they're dealing with. It ain't me. I had to get really realize that it wasn't me, that it was something that – and. So it was a level of growth there, and now I think I'll, it helped me to be able to deal. Um, if that opportunity arises again, I'm able to deal with it better. So I think that would be in in line with what everyone else was saying. There's a level of, of growth there. Um, that's what I would like to share. Thanks for letting me share. Yep. Thank you. Thank you very much, Maurice, for being transparent and sharing with us this evening. What, when you're so, yes, ma'am, Ms. Carol, go ahead. I just wanted to respond to that too. And, you know, one of the things is that when we go through all of these things and we're hurting, we're, we're feeling some kind of something about it, you gotta ask yourself, you know, hey self, how did I get in this? Why did I make the decision that I made to get in this? How, you know, what am I learning from this? What's the lesson? And make sure that you're learning something from it so that you don't repeat those kind of things. Because sometimes you say, well, you know, I want to do this. I'm trying to be helpful. I'm trying to be kind. I'm trying to be doing this. Why? Why are you doing that? Why are you making that choice? What is it that you're getting from that? Okay, so sometimes it's just a lesson so that you you know you can learn that was some clairvoyant stuff right there uh, miss carolyn <laughs> i thank you for that thank you thank you again for your transparency maurice thank you miss carol as well reverend reginald I, i'm just enjoying the joy it is being spread <laughs> on this call. Joy is what's being spread. I, I just want to continue to uh, I want to continue to hear it. It's just it's just one of those evenings. It's in us. You can see it, you can feel it, and and it's and it's there. But don't don't feel like you uh your voice is is tiring people out or you you know, just keep going if you just keep going. Let it flow like water. Galston beach water. So with that being said, <laughs> who else would like to unmute their mic and let us know how 
being so happy and grateful and how reading Antonio's book, So Happy and Grateful, has changed your life or what have you started applying in your life and you see the difference? Or let us know about something that has happened, but because you have been happy and grateful, the situation would where it would normally go one way went a different, completely different direction. The well, floor I'll, is open. I'll go, ahead. Time in. go ahead, Mr. Phil. Why, why I was uh, coming into the group late, I was at my Parkinson's support group meeting. And we've gone to the Zoom experience. And to be there with all those people that are having their challenges with this condition is amazing. Uh, and seeing how they were working together and how they're helping each other and everything else. So, and how being joyful and happy and appreciative, no matter where you are, is what helps you get out of where you are. So it was, it was, it's an amazing experience and you just learn a lot from each other and people get to share and you, they encourage each other. So it's been, uh, it's been a real gift. So that's why I got into here a little bit later than I normally would, but uh, it was certainly worth it. So, you know, when I first was diagnosed with this condition, I went through a really bad time. I was wondering, am I gonna be a burden to Susan? And I thought, shoot, I was a burden to Susan before I got this condition, so why am I worried about it now? Uh, and are people gonna hire me? Am I gonna be able to work? And am I gonna be able to survive for my family? Do I tell people before they hire me that I have it? Or do I tell them afterwards? And if I tell them before that you use it as a reason not to hire me? And I finally came to the conclusion, Phil, deal with this challenge the way you've dealt with every other challenge in your life. You know, it's just another challenge. It's just, it's my first major health challenge and to get it at 68 and five, six years old is a gift. But the other side of the coin is I've never had to deal with something like this. So it was completely new for me. When I finally said to myself, Bill, you've had tons of challenges in your life and look how you've gotten through them. Use those same techniques and, and apply those same things that you did for those to this and you'll be fine. And guess what? It worked. So, and, and having this group to come to on a regular basis, I can't thank you enough for how much it's helped me and, and been an inspiration for me to, to deal with this. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you more, Phil. Yes, thank you. Thank you for your transparency. Thank you for sharing with us. And as as Reggie, as Reggie, Reverend Reginald always says, we're grateful for each and every one of you as well because we learn from you just as much as you learn from us. And thank you, Mr. Phil, because you've also reiterated for us what this class is. This class is a place for you to be able to come and be you and learn more. And, but most importantly, it's a safe place. It's a place for you to be able to talk out what it is that's bothering you read the books and ask the questions, share your ups, share your downs, share your triumphs, even share those times where you weren't so triumphant. You know, this is a place for that because we understand that while, while becoming a leader, and we are all leaders in life in some shape, form, or fashion, you may not be a leader on your job, but you're a leader. If you have children, you're a leader. If you teach people, you're a leader. Even if you're just what you would consider yourself an employee, you're still a leader because there's somebody that looks up to you. 
And what we what we miss is there are if we don't work through our own character issues or our own character, not issues, but our own character flaws, if we don't even acknowledge the fact that we have them, it hurts us as leaders and it hurts the ones that we lead. So again, I want to thank Shannon and Reginald, Miss Carol, Miss Miss Monica, Mr. Phil, Maurice. I want to thank each and every one of you for your transparency this evening because you are being leaders. You are leading the way by being transparent. You're leading the way by saying, hey, this happened, but I but I did this instead of that. Thank you for being examples. Thank you for sharing with us that, hey, this is my first time dealing with something like this, but I just apply what I always do and I, I still won. This was new to me, but I still won. Yes, sir. Go ahead, Mr. Phil. Oh. No, I was trying to get a mosquito that was flying around here. Okay, so, gotcha. I hope you got him, Phil. I hope you got him, because he's going to get you too. <laughs> you got little mosquitoes down here. Back in Ohio, they're kind of big. They're easy to get. Down here, these little tiny little ones that get you. <laughs> yeah, I know, because Gaston, we got, them. We, got mutant. we got mutant mosquitoes. They got legs. Yeah, they carry you yeah, off. I ain't talking about mosquito legs. Yeah, they take a piece of your arm. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's crazy? Oh. Those little, those little bitty ones are more irritating because, like, like you can't, you can't get to them like you want to. So they can move and they move faster. So it's like stop. And it's, by the time they done tag you about three, four times, whereas those big ones, you're right. They grab a whole, carry off a whole baby. Yeah. <laughs> but but again i just i just want to thank each and every one of you so who who else would like to let us know how this book has helped you how it has helped changed how applying it has helped shifted your life and just let us know how being happy and grateful has has changed entire situations you know the floor is yours please feel free to please feel free i, I have a question for him go for why, it why this still, and, and look look even though i'm asked questions if you still want to tell us what the book did for you please don't 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 pass that opportunity to buy it do something for you change the inside okay but uh, what i want to know is i want i want somebody to explain Desire and expectation. Ooh. Desire and expectation. I want to hear different views of your desire or your expectation. Because you know, just as well as I know, and I'm going to speak for myself, but if I speak for others, please put on the shoe. It's a size 15, maybe a 14, depending on the brand. But everybody has an expectation. I expect, you know, we can be scientifically correct if we want to, but I ain't expect, yeah, it was a time in our lives that we expect, I expected to come home and this to be done. I expected to go to work and this to be done. And your desire, I desire red Kool-Aid with all this sugar in it that I cannot mm. drink anymore. I cannot drink it. I desire cheese pizza. 
just can't. But I desire the 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 will of this, you know, desire just like an exotic word to me. It's, I desire, you know, that's something that you just that's like a highland or a mirage. I just desire something versus I expect it. Cause somebody please help me. Desire is your passion. That's what you desire. You desire becoming a millionaire. And there's a purpose why you desire it, right? So that's a passion. Let me say I want. When you say you want, and I had mentioned that to Deanna the other week, is when you want something, the universe gives you more wanting. So you don't, you don't get there. You know, you're always wanting it. When you desire it, it's a passion. It's, it, it's going to go through. It's just like the book says, you know, you think it, you imagine it and all that stuff, but you got to feel it. That passion, that desire, that's what makes it happen. You know, so, so, so expectation. That's the, that's the, that's the burning. Are you talking about that's the burning? That's, what's, that, yeah. that's the burning. That's that burning in there. It's like I'm that, that. It, it burns too much for you for it not to happen. It has to. I got to say something for this person. Even if I've never seen that person, I got to say something. And, and, do it. and tens out of, out of, 10 times out of 10 is exactly what that person wanted to. I mean, like, I wouldn't say wanted to hear. It's like they look at you like they just drunk a cup of cold water after being in Galveston on the beach. Because you felt that energy. You felt it. So did they. And so did they. But then expectation is something else. That's those things that go on in your mind, how you think the world should be around you and how it should respond to you. And that's why we get a lot of um, pain from expectations. You know, we expect something that the other person may not even be thinking on that, uh, on, on, on that same wavelength of what you are and you you well, could be anything, not just a person, but I'm just yeah. using a person as an example. I expected for this person to be a certain way, right? And what yeah. did it do? It slapped me in my face. It was a lesson. So should you have? Should you have expectation? Um, when is it good to have it? You have a desire for an outcome, but just to expect it necessarily um, sometimes can can be negative for you in the ending of it you know because you don't get it and it hurts you and it causes a whole lot of other stuff but then that was your expectation not theirs you ever heard a person say well that's your expectation not mine who made you yeah i heard heard him say it i didn't listen to him (laughs) (laughs) the desire to beat their butt that's why (laughs) (laughs) oh goodness Thank you, Ms. Carroll. Now we have Mr. Phil, and after Mr. Phil, we have Dr. Clark. Well, I'm not going to talk about desires anymore because I think Carol nailed it. I don't think I can add to anything more that she says, but I will help with the expectations. I've got a behavior that if everyone you do what I'm going to tell you to do, you'll have less stress. You ready? From now on, I want you to lower your expectations and you lower your stress. Now keep your standards high. Don't lower your standards, but lower your expectations. So from now on, I want every one of you when you drive down the freeway, I want you to expect people to drive slow in the fast lane. So this is the behavior we'll have. We go, hmm, oh, look, dear, there they are. We were expecting them to be there. So you pull off the right as you pass, you wave, you smile, you throw them a kiss, you get back in the left lane and get on down your way, as opposed to how we currently do this. Mm, look at that idiot, beep, 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 flash, 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 jerk. Like they can hear us through the windshield. 
Then what do we do? We turn off the right as we pass them. What do we do? We give them a fist. Some of us add a digit. And then what do we do? We get back in the left lane and what? Slow down. Now, was it the person driving slow in the fast lane that caused you the stress? No. It was your expectations to the person driving slow in the fast lane that caused you your stress. So lower your expectations and lower your stress, but keep your standards high. Don't lower your standards. And by the way, if there's anybody here tonight who does drive slow in the fast lane, get out of it. You're not supposed to be there. But for the rest of us, they're always going to be there. So that's the difference between expectations and desire. Take your blood pressure now, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you very much, Ms. Carol. Thank you very much, Mr. Phil. That that both of both of you, that was amazing information. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And and thank you for the question, Reverend Reginald. So now well, we thank have you, thank you. Thanks to the book. I didn't ask that. Uh, I didn't make that up. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't make that up. I know y'all thought I, I didn't make that up. Well, thank you, Mr. Antonio T. Smith Jr. for writing a wonderful book. So next, we have Dr. Clark. The floor is yours. All right. So, um, Ms. Carroll and Mr. Phil, like spot on. Um, desire is our passion. Expectations are what they are. What made sense for me in the book was a letter or an explanation of desires and expectations that Antonio actually shared with us that he wrote to his children. And so while desires are our passion, we have to understand that it's our expectation that has the higher vibration, which is in alignment with what um, Ms. Carol and even Mr. Field was saying. But we have to let that soak into our mind that expectations are what they are but they do have the higher vibration. And so he says, buddies, which is what he affectionately calls his sons. We know that. The both of you have desires, but you also have expectations. Although you desire certain things, it is your expectation that actually has the stronger vibration. And you will then attract your expectation of your desire and not your desire. So while we have desires, we have to also understand that we have to expect what we desire because the expectation is what has the higher vibration. You, you, that was profound for me reading that. I just read that before Reggie asked that question. Like literally, I've never read that before in my life, but right before he asked that question, I just got through reading pages 214 and 215 of the book. And so we have to recognize that um, the expectation is what it is, but it has the greater vibration. And whatever has the greater vibration is what brings about the desired result because your desire is what you expect. It's not the other way around. We don't um, desire and then expect. We speak great desires, but sometimes we expect minimal things. So we on expecting our great desires because whatever we expect vibrationally that's what we're going to get and that's what resonated with me from chapter 10 and then listening to the question and Miss Carol and Mr. Phil so thank you um, Deanna and Reggie for letting me put my two cents in by way of Antonio's book thanks for thank the two cents yeah thank you thank you very much that that actually brings me to 
something that Antonio always teaches us and something that I literally forget every single moment of every single day and it causes the worst issues <laughs> in my life it was two things desire and expectations thought plus emotion equals creation if you if you're desiring something and you put emotion behind that you create it but if you desire something and your expectations are opposite of the desire then you actually create when you put emotions behind the expectations but they're not the desires then you create the expectations but what we miss to me what we miss the most and what keeps us out of alignment what puts us off track what what has us always saying this always happens to me is that we in the process of our thoughts plus our emotions equal creation in the process of our desires and our expectations we forget to allow to allow things to happen the only thing we can control is us we just like just like Mr. Phil said, we we can't control the fact that we know somebody is going to go is going to be driving 55 miles an hour in the left-hand lane, which everyone knows is the speed lane. But we what we can do is we can control how we respond to it. And if we allow that person to be them, we won't have any issues. We won't have any we won't have the 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 results that we get from that and so with that if we understand that if we just allow life because life is life we are not the only vibrations on this planet we are not and then when you invite someone into your life you invite their vibration or as antonia always says you invite them into your garden so if you're going to do that you have to allow them to be them but what we don't do is we don't allow people to be people. We don't allow the personalities of the next person to flourish. It's not our responsibility. It's not my responsibility to say, Phil, you can't do that. It's not my responsibility, but my responsibility is to allow Phil to be him. And if I was forever so happy and grateful, law of allowing, allowing people to do anything would not be an issue for me because i'm grateful that you are being the best you you can be i am grateful that that is who you are and you are living your best life being who you are but i'm also grateful that i'm allowing you to be you because then that allows me to be me but if we're so busy trying to control everything around us if we're so busy trying to control everybody else how can we be us how can we allow somebody else and you miss out on learning if miss carol wasn't in the law of allowing she would not have made that phone call but because she allowed that person to be them and she allowed her she not only allowed them to be them but she allowed herself to feel that pain but she also allowed herself to forgive and in the process of doing that she was able to make that phone call to me so happy and grateful this this entire book to me 
sums it up to if you want the greatest life be happy and be grateful forgive and live stop worrying stop stressing like mr phil said if you lower your expectations you lower your stress level if you stop expecting the world to screw you over then maybe just maybe the world will stop screwing you over but you keep putting that vibration out there so how are you going to allow yourself to just be to just be free and happy so uh, uh reverend reginald i'm going to pass the floor back to you okay uh i got another question go for it that antonio put into my mind how do you break the cycle of repetitious living Ooh. Anybody want to tackle that? How do you break the cycle of repetition? How do you break the cycle of doing the same thing over and over and over again? How do you break the cycle of chasing your own tail? Become Not a, all at once, please. Become a contrarian. <laughs> I'm going to be transparent on this one. I'm still learning that lesson. <laughs> but in all in all honesty, I am still I am still learning. It's it's like it's like Shannon was saying earlier, you know. No, no, was it Shannon? Um, releasing. Yes, it was Shannon. She was saying when you start releasing things, you start you think, okay, I'm gonna release things from my past. Okay, great, perfect. You know, I figured it out. I've released that, but we forget to release the current pain, the current headaches, the current stresses. Well, repetition happens when you don't realize that the same rep the same repetitious habits you created as a child, you still do as an adult. So while you release the ones as a child, you still have the repetition that you created as an adult. But one of the things that I have learned the most about disrupting or changing the repetitious habit is making a decision to no longer want it. But like I said, I'm still learning that one. I'm still learning that one. I just want to be transparent. I'm still learning that one. No, you can go ahead. Do the opposite of what you normally do. When you know that's coming, you already, you already know what the result is going to be, more or less, unless you're trying to say, well, it might not be this way, but you already know it happens all the time. So just do the opposite. Make the opposite decision. Mm -hmm. See what happens. That's, that's, that's tricking your brain. That's, mm -hmm. If you want to use the book, if you want to use the book, definition that's tricking your brain mm -hmm. uh if you want to use reginald's definition it's get out the familiar and get to the unfamiliar because we already know how to shoot a right-handed layup when we right-handed but when it's time to shoot that left-handed layup we still gonna go with that right hand because it's dominant but you know what else reggie when you do the same things over and over you gotta ask yourself where does that stem from where does that oh, that's stem a good question yeah where does that stem from Okay, so why am I doing that over and over again? What is it that I'm getting out of it? Or what have I not learned? Or what have I, what do I need to still do? 
Why do I think I'm still good at it? When you get that, then you'll, you'll be able to make the change. Because you're getting yeah. something out of all that negativity. If, it, if, if it's negative and it happens again and again, you're getting something out of it. Mm-hmm. It's an abundance coming to you. It's just a negative abundance, but maybe that's a comfortable place for you to be because you don't really know who you are in the other place. Wow, thank you. Go, <laughs> go ahead, Corey. <laughs> I almost shouted. I almost shouted. I'm sorry, Corey. I'm about to shout. <laughs> no worries. I think one of the things that comes to mind is um, I heard a while ago was um, sometimes in order for you to change, the cost needs to be bigger than the payoff. And then a lot of times we spend a lot of time like, like what you said, you're getting something out of it. So it's just like, it's, you're feeling basically the payoff of it, of whatever you're dealing with is not, it's not painful enough. And once it starts getting painful, that's when it's like, all right, now it's time for me to change. Um, so I think that's really, and then also the second thing is being able to start creating habits. Doing the same things over and over starts creating habits. So what it may take, and it took a while for you to even create the habit of whatever you're creating, what you're doing right now. And it's in that, it's sometimes realizing that, you know what, it is going to take some time, but like what Carol just mentioned, do the exact opposite. And yeah, you're going to fail. <laughs> the first time you do it, you're going to fail. You're going to do the exact opposite and you're going to fail, but then you're going to keep on doing it again. You're going to keep doing it again. And eventually it's just going to become muscle memory. And it's just going to be like, oh, wow, I'm doing the exact opposite. So um, that's what I'd really want to share is um, sometimes it's just looking at the cost and the payoff. And when the payoff is greater than the cost, you're never going to change. So that's what well I'm shared. Yeah, well shared. I'm stealing. <laughs> I'm, I'm stealing what you shared. <laughs> <laughs> In that, in that very chapter about the repetition, Antonio actually says you have to break the cycle. Pain is not normal. It is just a part of life. And then and, and Shannon posted, you have to stop expecting the encore or the rerun. And then she put laugh out loud. You, but most importantly, Oh, I'm going to read it one more time. Got to read the book. Look at him. Got to read the book. <laughs> Got to read the book, boy. Pull it. Let me pull it out right quick. Let me, let me put that up. Okay, so I'm going I'm to tell everybody what page it's on. It starts on page, it starts on page 273. It starts on page 273 at the very bottom. It says you have to break, you have to break the cycle. Pain is not normal. It is just a part of life. Pain is not normal. It is just a part of life. We have a, I'm, I'm saying we, I'm like, as Antonio always says, a third person plural. I think I said that correctly. 
but we as in the human race a lot of us think that pain is normal we think pain is normal so every time we feel pain we're like okay well that's that's just that's just that's normal it's just a part of life it's it's not if you're constantly in pain that's that's not normal it's a part of life when someone when when you experience death there's pain attached to that when you experience heartache there's pain attached to that when you experience falling down and scraping your knee there's pain attached to that but it's not normal pain is not a way of life but we get to a point where we repetitiously live in pain and as as Corey was just saying you get to a point where it's like okay this is too painful it's time for me to change it but what if you're addicted to the pain what if you're addicted to that pain and you don't realize that there's 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 more to it i believe miss carol was just saying how some people get something out of pain like they they get something out of it there's something antonio used to always tell me and i i didn't <laughs> I didn't really, really, really understand it until this very moment. He said people either will run from pain or run to pleasure. But what if the pain is the pleasure and you repetitiously run towards the pain because the pain is pleasurable to you because you get something out of the pain? Go ahead, Ms. Carol. So I have a, a little story to tell. There was um, this lady that uh, I, I was working with the, um, the Red Cross and it was um, in a location where there were uh, mothers, you know, families that were in like a shelter there, um, abuse and all kind of stuff. So um, one of the ladies that was there was talking about her abuse and she'd always go back to the abuser and always go back to the abuser and he would hit her and beat her and punch her in her face. And um, this gentleman actually came to the location and wanted her to come back home. And she almost left and we had to talk to her. And the conversation went really strangely. She said, it's just that I know that he loves me and that's his way of showing it. But her background, when she was little, she would get beat. She would get beaten all the time. So that was a familiar way of her uh, thinking that somebody cared enough to hit me. And to her, that was some kind of strange way of showing love. So she accepted it because she felt that's what she deserved. That man came back twice and hung himself on the lamppost in front of the building so that she would never forget it again. But she had to go through therapy because of that. But she, you know, it, sometimes people are, are, they don't know anything different. You know, Antonio told us something one time. He was talking about us becoming millionaires. And when it gets difficult, what do we do? We go back to the old way of being, even if it's a hard, you know, like going back to the corporate world or whatever. Even if it's like something you don't want to do and it's hard and you're like, I want to change my life, but you go back because of the familiarity. It's a comfortable, uncomfortable. Mm. And that's, you know, 
and it takes a little time to get out of it. You have to learn new, new things, new skills, and feel new feelings, and then enjoy that. So you can pass through that tunnel, that dark tunnel, and come to the light. Hmm. Well put together. So let's, so I, I want, I would really like for, for all of us to open this up uh, and I'll, I'll repeat it again. You have to break the cycle. Pain is not normal. It is just a part of life. Um, in Antonio, with Antonio, he was arguing, arguing that no one should ever be, be in pain and think that it's normal. Just like Miss Carol was just saying, that young lady, to her, that was, that was normal. Pain is meant to be short burst of little reminders. It's just, supposed to, it's just supposed to last as long as the moment requires, nothing more. It's not normal. It's just a thing that temporarily exists. So let's talk, so let's open this up and let's talk about it. Pain is not normal. It is just a part of life. Um, I think I want to share about this too. Like another quote that I heard, and I think I shared this with you when I was in the hospital, um, Diana, is, um, pain is pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. And usually I think sometimes the issue is that we confuse suffering, pain with, with suffering. And mm -hmm. suffering really shows up when we start creating a story about the pain. So it's like the pain's gonna happen, but the story of it, because who we are as human beings is that we just create stories. So we hold on to that story of that specific pain and that's what causes the pain to linger. But at that point, it's not pain anymore, it's actually suffering. And um, at that, those moments, that's when you really have to choose, are you really gonna suffer and be a victim of the pain? Or are you really gonna transcend beyond it? I think that's one of the things that I really learned myself just going through what I've been going through for the last um, two or three weeks just with high blood pressure. I've never had it before. And I could have been someone who's just like, why me? What am I doing? And all these different things. But what I took it as was I didn't want to be a victim of that circumstance. And I think all of us in a lot of different situations, things would happen, it would hurt us, it would pain us, and it becomes very difficult to let go of that story. And I think that's why it does take something to really talk things out, to work things out. But it's really, all that is, is just letting go of the story about that pain. I kind of think back when it comes to pain and suffering, when I always think about it, I'm like, birds feel pain, but they don't suffer. Same things with animals. It's like, they don't really suffer they feel pain and then afterwards it's just like once the pain is gone and they're all over with all of a sudden they learn to cope they move on they do things and it's just like that's what really makes them different from us is that something would happen to us we would feel that pain and then the minute we feel that pain we create a story over it over and over again kind of feeling sorry for ourselves or having other people feel sorry for us and um it's not about that that's what I really wanted to share there. Thank you. Thank you, Corey, very much for sharing that with us. You actually, 
you're you actually hit on you hit the nail on the head with a hammer um because that's exactly what antonio was was trying to to get us to understand like pain is meant to be short-lived you're not supposed to suffer from pain but it, it makes me present a question how do how do we create the stories like who taught us to create the stories that keeps us long in long suffering from the pain who who said we're responsible for suffering from that pain you know we suffer from pain from our childhoods from broken marriages or relationships from abuses that we've 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 taken on and we we suffer from those in our lives we suffer in that but we shouldn't have to suffer so who told us we had to suffer who told us it was our responsibility to suffer something that was to suffer and live with something that was supposed to only be short-lived that was only supposed to be a burst can i say something yes mr callaway please how y'all doing how you doing you know doing it's been good. A while. Yes, it yeah. nice to hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, you know, forgive the noise background. I'm, I'm on the road again. I was just sitting up here, you know, thinking about, you know, uh, some raw bass. You know, I was like, that joy, hey, and pain is like sunshine and rain. You know, so I was sitting up thinking about everything, you know, <laughs> everybody was saying. And um, what you just said, I look back, I, I, I really do feel it was one time I had said this before. Uh, way back, and uh, Coach uh, responded to it, and I was saying, you know, it's it's amazing that what affects us at five years old affects us at 50 years old, and I know that coming up as a kid, that my mom had me at an early age. She was 13. She had me at 14, so she was a child with a child, not knowing really what to do with a child. And I can remember uh, growing up, my mother and I had a uh, tumultuous relationship at times. And things like that help create low self-esteem, it can happen in guys just like it happened in women. It ain't just a woman thing. And I can remember things my mom, when we had words and stuff, my mom would scream at me, you know, that I should have flushed you down the toilet when I had you and things of that nature. You know, she would get angry and, and just batter me with things and uh, and my grandmother was the one who raised me and she was always the one encouraging me. It was like bad mom, good mom, you know, my situation. But I also watched the relationship between my grandmother and my mom, which was not a good relationship. Then I watched my mom step into the relationship with my stepfather, which was abusive like you wouldn't believe. I actually watched my, grand, my, my stepfather kill his mistress in our front yard because of the, of the fact that he had been messing around and uh, his, uh, her husband came to our house to kill my, my stepfather. But in the process of shooting back and forth at one another, the mistress pulled up with her children. She jumped out to run in between them. My stepfather was pulling out a, a, a double barrel shotgun. And when she got there, we had a little slope going downhill in the yard. And when she got to him, she grabbed the front of the shotgun, but the momentum carried them down to the ground and it went off, killing her. And I remember standing there watching her kids dragging her to pull her into the car, as, you know, as she was bleeding out. And 
things of this nature, because I thought about what my, if my stepfather had not been doing what he had been doing, had he not been putting my mother through what she was doing, it wouldn't have affected me. But you don't think that all these things affect you, and they do. And I grew up, you know, with, with seeing all these things and listening to my mom and my stepfather fight, my mom taking things out on me, you know, like I said, telling me, you know, I should have flushed you down the toilet when I had a chance. Uh, I didn't have the greatest confidence of self-esteem coming up. And I developed in my mind that every girlfriend that I would get, I looked at them as my wife. And that's, in other words, the love that I felt that I didn't get from my mother, I started looking to and all these girlfriends. And the thing is, they couldn't give me what I needed or wanted because they were too young and didn't know nothing about love. You know, and I did that throughout my life, which led me to get into my marriage. And when I got into my marriage, you know, I was so determined that I'm not going to be like my family. And when I become a husband, I'm going to this, this, and this, and this, and that. And I end up, you know, getting married and going through a lot of hell. Now, I wasn't perfect. I'm not going to sit up and, you know, pretend like everything was on her, you know, but karma came back and just tore my behind up. And some of the things, you know, that took place didn't have to happen. But the thing is, I felt that all those things that were happening, that's what I was supposed to go through. I was actually thinking in my head, you know, this is all part of it in the Bible, you know, for better or for worse and sickness and health, you know, and all of these things she's doing, I'm going to forgive and this and all this stuff. And I kept holding on and holding on and holding on and holding on. Even after I had stopped with all the nonsense and I realized, you know what, man, this ain't getting me nowhere. I'm going to act right, you know, and be the man I'm supposed to be in this marriage. Well, she decided to take her turn and she beat me up. Well, I was hanging on for such craziness that finally God said, you know what? I see that you're not going to leave this situation, so I'm going to make her leave. So she finally got up, and she left me. And I can remember, man, I was sitting out there in the garage, you know, just drinking, drinking every day. I lost the house. I'm sitting out there in the garage, and uh, one of my best friend's daughters used to come by. She used to work with the police department. And every day she would come by and say, John, you can't let this get to you. You can't, you can't stay in this situation. But me, I had made myself believe that I couldn't find anything better. I had made myself believe that this is what I'm supposed to go through because my mother and them went through that. I watched my aunts and uncles. I, I, not only my, my mom and, and, and some of these, my uncles, and I watched my uncles who were abusive in their relationship. You know, I watched the uncle beat his wife down in the ground so that when she got up, her imprint of her body was still on the ground. And I watched all this growing up but it tore me up as a young man coming up. And I was so indecisive, so screwed up in the head. And I remember when my wife left me, it took me four years before I actually would smile again. And one day I was driving down the road and I started to laugh at something. And I actually caught myself and I stopped laughing. I'm like, what? I'm not supposed to be. I actually said this in my mind. I'm not supposed to be laughing. I'm not supposed to be happy. I actually said that in my mind. And then God sent two people who I never even you know, met before. It was two guys I used to talk to their father. God sent two people. And for some odd reason, these guys decided to befriend me. And it was through talking to these guys that I was able to get back to a point 
where I started believing in myself. I started feeling good about myself. I stopped letting what, you know, happened to me determine, you know, how I was supposed to, you know, wake up every day and think and feel and all that. And I got beyond that. And I got beyond it so doggone well and everything that I went back. I had got so bad that I had a lot of nice suits and dress clothes and earrings and things. My relationship got so bad that I stopped wearing them. I took out my earrings. I started just wearing clothing in the truck, boots and sweats and stuff all the time. I wouldn't dress up for anything, you know, but eventually these guys helped me come out of that. And I'll never forget when I came home one day, I stopped by and got me some new earrings and put in, when I said, man, screw this, I'm not gonna let this hold me down forever. And I walked in the house and my niece and it was like, whoa, Uncle Johnny, you got your earrings on. And, you know, and that's when, you know, I realized, you know, I mean, they had even noticed the change in me and, Real quick, earlier this year, I hadn't spoke to my ex in eight years. Out of nowhere, out of the blue, she got in trouble down in Georgia. Out of nowhere, she called me, of all people. And I remember talking to her, and I said, for you to call me, you must really have a problem, because you hadn't spoke to me in eight years. And she was crying, she begged me to help. So I got up, I said, hold on. I got off the phone, I prayed. And I said, okay, Lord, tell me what to do. I called her back in 10 minutes. I said, meet me at the airport. I got up, I went to the airport. I went to Georgia and I helped her and I moved her to, to Kentucky with our grandchildren. And that's where she's at now. After it was said and done, she said, why did you help me? I said, let me tell you something. I said, if I had remained the same as I had been years ago when you left me, I'd have never helped you. I'd have never spoke to you. I said, but I chose to forgive, not for you, but for me, because I walked around for years down in the dump. I said, and I'm not there anymore. So I said, I didn't have a problem with helping you. I said, and God put it in my heart to do so. I said, but the next thing I said, I didn't want my granddaughter to ever hear that my grandfather had the opportunity to help my grandmother when she was down and he did not do it. I said, I don't want her to ever think that I'm that type of man, that I won't be there for her. So, you know, with that being said, men can get down in a dark place too. And, you know, and most times men, we have it harder getting over a relationship. But like Mandela said, he said, sometimes we fight so hard to stay in a situation and we fight so hard to let go when we realize that that thing must die, you know? And a lot of times we don't realize that until it's too late or until we've been put through a whole bunch of craziness and madness, you know, and some people don't recover from that, you know? But as you get stronger in the mindset, you'll be able to overcome those things, you know? And that's what all would happen to me. My mindset got stronger. I started believing in me. I started believing that I deserve goodness. I deserve happiness. I deserve joy. And I kept repeating that to myself every day that I deserve these things and I believe that I was gonna have these things. I might not be rich, but I'm rich in many other ways. You, you can best believe that I'm rich in many other ways. And with that being said, I'm gonna cut it short and let you get on back with the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Mr. Calloway, Mr. John Calloway. It's good to hear your voice. It's good to see you on with us. Now, with everything that you just said, Reverend Reginald, I would love for you to respond to what Mr. Calloway just said. Oh, I don't respond for that. 
I have no response for that whatsoever. That man spoke a wonderful word. And it reached everybody. Well, ain't no need of me even doing all that today. We're we going to let that right there sit and settle and simmer in your heart. Simmer like good seasoning on meat. Simmer like good seasoning in gumbo or creole, whatever you want to put together and call a meal. And you just let <laughs> like that simmer. Him. Yeah. I like you because what you said, that was muscle. That was strength. And, and muscle and strength, with all the nurturing we had today, hey, what else can I ask for? What else could you ask for? What else could you be happy for? What else could you be grateful for? I mean, take a look at yourselves, everybody. Take a look at yourself, ladies and gentlemen. Seriously, take a look at yourself. And, and, and look what this has done. Look what this time has done to where this time has called us to be here and to hear great testimonies. I mean, hearing great testimonies, when you hear a great testimony, you're going to do a great testimony yourself. You're going to do it too. You're going to go out as well. Soon as the phone calls in, you're going to go out and use what was given today. It happens all the time. It was his day to talk. It was his day to speak. It was his day to share. It was his day to come on with that fire that he brought, and he brought the fire. Ms. Carroll started it. Dr. Shannon started it. D, you, you started us off. I mean, this is wonderful, man. This is wonderful. I mean, take a look at it. We could be doing anything else right now. But let, let's, let me get, y'all know I got to get close sometime. We can be doing anything. Look at the edge of it. We could be doing anything else that line I put right there. I did that. Uh, anything, I didn't pay $15, $20 for that edge job. We can do anything. We can do, we could be doing anything right now. Seriously. But we took time out to get some healing. And Grace up is a healing one time. Joy! I said joy. I mean joy. Seriously, see, I'm doing something. Y'all don't think, y'all think I'm being goofy, but really, I'm releasing a lot of stuff. You understand what I'm saying? I'm releasing a lot of stuff, you know? And if you need to release something too, you might want to scream joy. It might, it say, you, you know, you know how the Christians say, give me some of that stupid, silly, ugly praise, right? Great. Give me some of that ugly, man. Joy! You heard that right there? Right there, you heard that? Because when he started speaking, I promise you, I wanted to shout. I promise you, I wanted to get on this. My screen ain't big enough to catch me doing a little dance I wanted to do when he got out there and gave out that good old that man, I'll tell you what. Oh, you gotta do my eyes like that. This is lovely, man. We could be doing anything else. We could be sitting here cutting on the news and getting depressed even more. Straight up. We can cut the news on and get depressed some more. We can cut the news on, we can get mad some more. We can get angry. That's what they want us to do. That's exactly what they want us to do. Get together and talk about how angry we're gonna be and how upset we are about what's going on, like we ain't never know that this never happened before. Period. Oh, it's suffering, suffering, yeah, yeah. Hey, I know one. I, hey, look, I know one person who suffered and didn't say one word, nothing, nothing. And we, some of us, not all of us, no disrespect, but some of us ask, can we be accompanied by that? I want to be. I want to be in a company with something like that. I want it to come sit next to me, and I want to sit next to it. Because if you can do that, if anyone on 
This phone call could do that. I want to sit next to Carol. I want to sit next to Deanna. I want to sit next to Greg. I want to sit next to everybody on the phone call that demonstrates how and what it looks like to endure and stand fast during suffering and not complain about it and gain something from it and use it. I want to be around that at all times. All times. Not just Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we can keep on going. I don't have enough breath to name the rest of the days. Because when I hit that joy note, it kind of it kind of intercepted some of my vocals. <laughs> you know, I gotta make y'all laugh, man. You know, you know, I got the cuff. But hey, there, I am grateful. I am grateful. That's all I, you know, I'm going to go back to my mute status. Minister Mitchell. <laughs> Minister Mitchell. All right, Reverend Reginald. <laughs> Minister Mitchell. Eminem. Yeah, I'm on to something, huh? Uh-huh. Joy! Ah, when you got joy, ha, you can say joy. Ha. Let's say joy. Joy on the phone call. Joy with integrity. Joy with the leadership. Joy when I see the faces on Thursday at 6.30. Joy when I know I read my chapters and somebody's going to ask me a question. And I know I read it and I'm ready for them to ask me a question. I said joy. Nobody want to join me? Okay, I get it. I'll be quiet. I'll be... Nobody want to join me. Laugh at me. It's cool. No, it's all right. you... you... Every, I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. Every time, every time, keep the truck on the road. <laughs> when you said it the first time, I was like, okay, call me off guard. But every time you kissed that, I was like, okay, wait a minute. He keeps saying oh, it. Let me over here yelling. He's oh. running my room. I'm like, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. But you're right. It's, it's, yeah, I'm. I'm <laughs> say it, D. You gotta I, say it. No, no. Everybody waiting on you to say it. Everybody is waiting on you to say it. You have to say it, and you gotta have that oof in it. Come on, Minister Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> so, there Can I say something else right quick? Yeah, go ahead. Right quick. Yes, go ahead, Mr. John, and after Mr. John, Ms. Carol. Okay. I would, I would just want to say this. You know, a lot of times when we're going through an issue or situation in life, we look at that as, wow, man, this, this is the worst thing I've ever gone through. And, you know, and, and Deanna, you know where I've been. You know my history being in prison in Thailand and all that good stuff. And I just wanted to say, even when you think whatever present situation that you are going through and you think that's the worst, you haven't even reached your worst yet because the next situation to come along, you're going to be saying that's the worst. And really, your only worst situation is in your mind of what you think about the situation that you're going through. I sat there all those years in that prison over there in, in Thailand 
and I had to endure what I endured, you know, bathing in, in, in brown river water with algae and all these things in it, sleeping on that concrete floor all that time. You know, we didn't have things like toilet paper. You know, we, we had to use a, a bowl of water in our left hand, you know, to properly take care of ourselves. Um, you know, uh, walking through all the open sewers when the monsters rain and all that crap, you know, that I had to endure, you know, and, and through all that, you know, when I look at things today, when I hear people talk about, man, my situation is so bad, it's the worst. No, it's not the worst. Because no matter how worse you think your situation is or could be, there's always a situation that's actually worse than that. Mm -hmm. And the majority of the time, what we think is the worst is only what we've conjured up in our mind to be the worst. But if you flip that switch and change that mindset, in reference to what you think is the worst, you'll find out it was no big deal at all. It's no, it was no big deal at all because there's always somebody out there that feels that what they're going through is worse than what you're going through. And sometimes it's true, but it's because a lot of times we and our thinking make it that way. That's all. Wow, thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. John. Ms. Carol, go ahead. So John, I'm grateful for you sharing all of that with us. You blessed us all tonight. So karma is coming back at you. So you're going to be blessed too. So just know that. Just know that. But one of the things I wanted to say also is that everything we feel is because of the stories we tell ourselves. Okay. Sometimes we have things from the past, like childhood, right? Well, like somebody mentioned five years old, something happened and we're still thinking about it and reacting to that. It's the little child in us that's doing the reacting. But the story you're telling yourself is not necessarily the story that actually happened either. It's the story that you perceived happened and you live in it and believe in it. And it, not, it may ne not necessarily have gone exactly the way you think it did. I've been told, you know, like I said, uh, to my family uh, a couple of uh, days ago, I was saying something about the family. Yeah, you remember when this happened? And they were cracking up laughing. They said, it didn't even happen anything like that. You're getting your stories all mixed up. It, in my mind, that was the story, right? So we have to also think about what we think about all the time. And what kind of stories do we conjure up? And how do they make us feel? And why are we wanting to feel that way? That's all I wanted to share. <laughs> Thank you, Ms. Carol. <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, John. Again, thank you for your transparency, Ms. Carol. Thank you, Corey. Thank you for all of you who share with us this evening. Thank you very much, uh, Reverend Reginald. I. I have nothing else to say. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You ain't got look, look, look. You don't have to do it. You, you know, just say Joy. Say it in your voice, Joy. <laughs> you can do it in your voice, B. You don't even have to do it. You don't even have to channel your inner original. Just, just be you. Say Joy like that. It make us like go to bed. Like when you said we're gonna, we going to sleep. It's time. We didn't already ate. <laughs> It's time to go to bed. Almost, just almost, almost. Like you, when you, if you was telling a bedtime story, I'm calling you. 
straight up. Because you, all you have to just the first sentence. Kids out of there. Joy. Once upon a time. <laughs> there you go. There it go, y'all. Y'all didn't feel it. Y'all didn't feel it. She wanted to do it a little bit, but she tried to sneak it in because I was talking. You ain't slick. Deanna. <laughs> Deanna, you know that you told you told a story earlier today, right? Because you had to think something up for Antonio because he always puts yes. you on the spot. Yes, well, I'm going to put you on the spot right now because Reggie just said you could tell good bedtime stories and we're going to be going to bed after this. So could you tell us a little story to take us into the fairyland so that the, the fairy dust uh, angel could come and sprinkle some of the some some of Reggie's I dust see, on us. I see you, Kelly. That was good right there. Man. High five. Ah, that's what I'm talking about. Man. Okay. I'm going to take you up on that challenge, Ms. Carol. Y'all give me a second. Let me put some stuff together in my head. There was this child who had the imagination of Disney. Anything that he could think of, it was there right in front of him. And you know, as children, we, we're all the same way. You know, we, the, the ground is hot lava and you can't touch it. Or if you step on the crack, you would literally break your mother's back. The, the sheets draped across the chairs are actual tents. The, the blocks that you had at, in, in, as kids are actual dungeons. His imagination was so huge as a child. And his imagination is where he lived. But as he got older, as all of us do, the world just kept knocking at him and knocking at him and knocking at him. And he just got to a point where he lost that imagination. He lost that childhood. It, it was driven deep inside of him. He, he took it and he sheltered it and he covered it because that was the one part of him that was still innocent to him. Well, as he was going along the day, he, him sheltering the child in him made him miss out on living. And as he got older, that feeling of missing out became stronger and stronger. He was like, there's, there's more to life. There's so much I want to live, but I don't want to get beat down like I used to. I don't want to get told I'm crazy or I'm weird. I don't, I don't want that anymore. And I'm an adult. And as an adult, this is how I should act, you know. The, and, but when he went home, he still let his imagination run, but only in the confines of his home. And as he got older, he just felt more and more closed in and, and he started drifting away more and more. And then one day he ran into a stranger. And a stranger looked at him and said, you know what? It's time for you to let that kid loose again. It's time for you to live. You have been slowly killing yourself every single day, all of your life. It's time to just let go. And he, he looked at that person, he brushed off what they said, but as he was driving home from that, that, that the normalcy of the rat race, the, the everyday routine, as he was driving home that day, the thought just rang louder and louder in his head. It's time to let go, it's time to live, it's time to be the kid again. And a couple of weeks went by and it just kept ringing and it, the, 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 the words got louder and louder and louder. And then 
he was sitting at his desk and he heard a knock. Now, it, the knock kind of caught him off guard because he sat in a cubicle. So he's sitting there, he hears a knock, he kind of look up and he looks around and he's like, okay, I don't see anybody. So he went back to what he was doing. He heard the knock again, he said, and he looked around. And he was like, okay. And then he heard a tiny voice. I want to come play. I want to come play. And he's like, what is going on? Like, am I going crazy? I'm hearing stuff. And on his drive home, he kept hearing it. I want to come play. I want to come play. Let's go play. Let's go play. And when he got home, he was sitting down. And he closed his eyes for a moment. And as he closed his eyes, he saw himself as a kid. And he was literally sitting there having a conversation with his younger self. His younger self was like, what happened? We were supposed to be astronauts. We were supposed to, we were supposed to travel the world. We were supposed to be the first people on Mars. What did you do to us? And he's like, but there's so much that happened. You won't, you wouldn't understand because you're a kid. And he spoke to, and his younger self said, no, we're still supposed to do this. We can do anything, remember? We can live and do whatever it is we want to do because we are the master creators, remember? And he sat back and he looked at his younger self. He was like, no, you, you don't understand how life really is. But see, what he wasn't understanding was the child in him was telling him, no, you don't understand how life really is. We're supposed to do whatever we want to do. We're supposed to be us. We're supposed to live. And at the end of that conversation, his younger self looked at him and he said, you know what? My feelings are hurt. You're not my friend anymore. Because my friend lived. My friend loved. My friend danced in the rain. And for a moment, he, he sat back and he looked at his younger self and he had a realization. It's like, you know what? You're right. I was so busy trying to protect you from this reality in this world that I was actually hurting you more than anything. And then he woke up. But this time when he woke up, he had a different feel to him. He, he, he had a, a different energy about him when he got up so he woke up he went he went throughout his routine but then he under he had this this feeling of you know what i'm gonna have a great day today as he got dressed he started humming and he's never he's never hummed a word in his life but he just started humming he's like mm. and then he remembered the song that he was humming it was a song that he used to go outside and play to as a kid and then as he's driving, he started looking up at the sky and he was like, oh, that cloud looks like a cake. Oh, that cloud looks like a dragon. And he was like, wait a minute. I haven't done this in a long time. This is fun, <laughs> you know? And he got to work and he, when he got to work, he realized that he didn't quite know who his coworkers were. So while they were all sitting in the, 
the lunchroom together. He went and he said, hey, everyone, how's everybody doing today? Hey, Carol, how was your day going? Hey, Reggie, how's everything going today? Tell me about you guys. How's, how, how are you? And he noticed how everybody just looked at him. And after a while, they started smiling and responding back to him. And the day went by wonderfully. And as he's driving home, he had a realization. See, when he fell asleep, he fell asleep with the understanding of it's time. I don't want to disappoint my friend anymore. So what he didn't realize was he made a decision at that moment to let the child back out, to live, to create whatever it is he wanted to create. And because he decided to do that, he had the best day ever. So as you close your eyes tonight, I just really want you to remember the child in you. Not the child that remembers the heartache, the pain, or the reality of things, but the child who remembered that the floor being hot lava, so you jumped from the couch to the rocking chair to the other couch. The child who built the fort out of chairs and sheets. And when you went in, it was this huge castle that covered the entire city. I, I want when you go to sleep tonight, remember that child. Remember the dreams of that child. And when you wake up the next morning, I want you to live. I want you to have the imagination of that child because that child understood that no matter what, I can be whoever I want to be. I can do whatever I want to do. And that's what makes me happy. So go to sleep tonight being that child and wake up tomorrow alive. Thank you all so much for joining us this evening. Reverend Reginald, any closing? Oh, Miss Carol, go ahead. He is so special. Oh my God, God bless you. Um, you got to write children's stories. <laughs> you do. I actually never thought about that. You're a blessing. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Carol. Thank you very much. Honestly, right. when you were telling your story, the first thing I thought of was like Oprah, and I wish she still had her show because that would have been perfect. Like, if you, for you to go on her show for yes, like Carol said, children's stories. Thank you, thank you, Ms. Monica. Thank you, Corey. Thank you very much, Reverend Reginald. Any final words to close us out this evening? I said enough. <laughs> I am all out of voice. <laughs> We're just going to end on your smooth tone. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Clark. Oh, thank you, Ms. Levon. Thank you very much. Yes, sprinkle everyone, sprinkle everyone. Thank each and every one of you for joining us again for another Integrity Leadership class. Next week, we will be discussing chapters one, two, and three of Dr. Henry Cloud's Integrity. I hope you guys are ready, because this one right here is a woozy. <laughs> but thank you all so much. We will see each and every one of you next week, next Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. And honestly, with everything in me, I am begging you, please, Remember the child in you. Goodbye.
Good night.